Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Okay, open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. That's where we're going to jump off into this message uh, today. And there's already some really significant things uh, happening that I want to just mention. One, Mindy Landreth just really felt like God met her, had a, had a word for her. Just she had, She'd lost her son for a little bit at the park. Is that kind of how, how this happened? And just that God delivered and God you know, helped her, uh, met her in, in, the, in, in finding her son. And, and then I want to tie in also what Adrian shared there a minute ago. Sometimes, you know, you're just singing words. I, I'm, I wouldn't be doing it like that, but that's what he was doing. But uh, sometimes you're singing words and all of a sudden you just realize how true that really is, that God meets us. You know, when, just, when we turn, he's there. His, his arms are open. And that's one of the things I want to be saying today, and I'm going to ask us to really put on our thinking caps today. There's some days you come and you just get to go like, whoa, amen, I already knew all that, amen. It may not be that way today. And I'm going to be preaching Jesus, but I want us to really think, put on our our thinking caps. And, you know, the truth is, God is uh, one of the most beautiful things about God is that God, He doesn't need, but He chooses to include us in his life and in his love and that's just a that's a blow away that you're chosen that is just like he chooses you that god is for you he's he's for you the god of all creation is for you not against you but for you he is like a father and he's a better father as as loving and as kind as you are to your children imagine god being infinitely better just this is good news. It's just good news. Last week, we talked about the starting point being Jesus. We're going to keep talking about Jesus, obviously, today. But in looking at the Jesus Christ, the Son, we see the Father. And we see the, the Son's love for the Father and the Father's love for the Son. And their shared love together in the Holy Spirit. The lover, the beloved, and the love between them. Just, it's, it's powerful. It's a blow away. We talked about our ideas that hinder us in our fallen minds, in our sin, in our what we think we know problems, in our, uh, the lies we believe about God. And we talked about the solution that God had for us in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit. Everybody remember all of that. So you're getting like Trinitarian theology in three minutes there. Um, but you're going to get a little bit more uh, today. It's so interesting when we set out to do this series, uh, Micah uh, had actually suggested it. He said, well, let's do something on getting to know God, and then you can just kind of talk from the overflow about your dissertation and all that work that you did on the Trinity. And I was like, okay, great. Except it's just not that easy. It's not just like, all week long I've been looking at Mount Everest and just trying to pick a few rocks to bring in here to talk to you guys about. Like it's really bigger than, than, what, we, than what we think. And it's, it's a mystery... But it's not a total mystery. And, and it's radically, radically important. Um, I read a, a deal about Albert Einstein. We're going to be doing some science stuff today, just in the course of this, this uh, message. But uh, I read a, 
Albert Einstein wrote this article, and it was entitled E equals MC squared, the most urgent need problem, most urgent problem of our time. And what he was trying to say was, it was right when the nuclear bombs were getting built and all that stuff, and he was trying to say, we don't know where all of this goes. Like, we could blow up the world, you know? And so he's trying to get everybody to wake up to what's actually going on. The most urgent problem of our time is, hey, we've got to wake up. And so he had to try to explain it where people could understand it, and yet also fight the tension of saying that just because he said it, now everybody knows all there is to know about it. Do you see the tension? You want to understand something, but you realize at the same time, you can't know everything there is to know. And so that's kind of how I feel in talking about the Trinity, in talking about the relational God of love. That's my code, code word for Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternal love from all eternity, and us getting somehow brought into that by the grace of God through Jesus. It's, he is the light that shines into the darkness. He is the, the Father's one and only Son who is Himself God and has made Him known. He's at the Father's side and He's made Him known. He is the Word that is the that expresses not only creation, but God. So let's pick up where we finished last week talking about the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit. And here it is in the first letter written in the New Testament. This one or 1 Thessalonians, but it's around 49. And Paul says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit. So there's the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, I mean, praise God. This is incredible. The sending of the Son, the sending of the Spirit is that we might be adopted to sonship into the triune life, the relational love of God. Isn't that great? So everybody, keep, I'm gonna, I'll keep saying it. I'll pause every now and then. Just stay with me on this. So, uh, you know, Paul, that's like, whatever that, 49 AD, he's writing that. Ephesians, he unpacks that even more. You know, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory. So, I mean, 15 years later, he's still working that out. He's still working that. He's in prison. He's got the death sentence on his life. And he's saying, God did this to adopt us into his family. God is for us. He's chosen us. He loves us. And if we're going to get to know God, getting to know God, that's the series, right? We've got to study him as he has revealed himself to us. Okay, we can't just come up with our own ideas about God. We've got to study God as he's, God has revealed himself to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Okay, not to condemn us, but to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six. It's a powerful verse because it's like when people turn to the Lord, the veil is removed and you see God. And in that place of seeing God, there's freedom. We just sang about it a minute ago. There's freedom. There's freedom right there in that place. The same God who, who said, let light shine to bring creation is the same God 
who said, let light shine out of darkness and made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ Jesus. It's looking to Jesus is how we see God. It's how God's revealed himself to us. He's spoken his final word in the son who is the image of the invisible God. So let me keep going on the problem here just a bit. Trying to make claims about God without looking to Jesus is it's it's in the wrong category. Like I can't come up with stuff on my own in my darkness apart from the light that God's revealed in the sending of his son and the sending of his spirit. I I'm not qualified. Nobody is. And the guys that studied the Bible the most, they came to Jesus and they you know that they they felt like they knew God and they missed God when God was right in front of them. So, uh, T.F. Torrance is this uh, famous Trinitarian theologian, Scottish guy from uh, the middle of the last century. Um, don't want to go on too much about him, but he had, this, he had this idea. He spent a lot of his life unpacking what he called scientific theology. And what he meant by that was it's not just a blending of science and theology, but he's saying approach theology just like you approach science uh, in, in the same way that if you're going to study something and the way I wrote it down here in my notes, it's the it's that knowledge in any field of inquiry must be developed according to the nature of the reality under study. So if I'm going to study art, there's language and things that I have to learn to study art. If I'm going to study quantum mechanics, quantum theory, then there's you've got to know about atoms and electrons and neutrons, protons. You've got to know about light and magnetism. Does that make sense? And you really can't talk about quantum theory if you don't know those things. And it's like garbledy gook to try to talk about quantum physics if you don't know those things. Everybody tracking? So, it, you know, it's like, uh, can you put the math problem up? This is this, the illustration that I came up with. Yes! Oh, whew, that fires me up. And, you know, and so it, it would be like trying to unpack this math in, in the wrong genre. Um, it's black. It's black, and there's a bunch of little C's and some numbers raised above other numbers. And there's some things that are grouped occasionally with a minus sign. Um, and um, then there's an answer down at the bottom. And... Uh, you know, it's really, there it is. It's, 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 uh, well, you know, that's what I've got to say about that. I, 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 there's a certain kind of beauty to it, I guess, you know, the evocative, emotional thing that I'm just kind of stirred right now. Um, you see what I'm saying? Like putting English prose to describing that problem, it doesn't work. It's the wrong thing. So when God sends his son, to show us what he's like. Everybody stay with me. We have to describe God in terms of his own being, how he's described himself. His full self-revelation is in Jesus Christ. So there's not another God behind the God that Jesus reveals as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we can't look at Jesus and go, yeah, 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 the Trinity, and go, yeah, but there's these other really big ideas I have about God, this unknowable, just blob kind of thing in the distant, far out there somewhere. Okay, so I'm, I'm really trying to, to trying to work on that. We uh, 
the, the way the early church unpacked this, the way they got there, you can see it, you see it in Paul in the first letter written in the New Testament. He's working on it. They're working on it. They're, they're trying to understand this mystery. It was hidden. They didn't understand God's triune nature. And then Jesus comes and they understand the, it was a mystery. It was hidden, but now it's revealed. And the way the early church said this in the Nicene Creed was to say that Jesus is of the same being as the Father. The same exact being as the Father. Hamousius topatri is the way the creed says that. Of the same being as the Father. And that's what we're talking about. Jesus Christ is the Word. He is the ground and the grammar of theology. He is... He reveals the Trinity. And that's how we as Christians learn to talk about God. And that's what dis- gives us distinction from other, uh, you, you know, that would just see God as this distant, unknowable monad, this single being in eternity past that had to learn how to start loving. And so, so Trinity, from all, the Son's always been the Son. The Father's always been the Father. The Spirit's always been the Spirit. And here's the main thing. God wants us to embrace it, and it's a lifelong journey, but I'm, hopefully I'm saying there's more here, maybe that you haven't thought about yet. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it just goes on and on. God wants us to embrace the lifelong journey and importance of knowing Him as the relational God of love. So here we go, a couple things. The importance, and I'm going to, I said the implications is the second point, but it's, that's way too much to actually talk about. Um, I'm just going to hit one with worship. But like last week, to talk about God like this is to repent from our way of thinking. Metanoia is repentance. So we're returning from our way of thinking about God to the way that God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And we're saying, Jesus, you are right. Whatever ideas I've got about God, we're saying, Jesus, you are right. And I want to align calibrate myself to Jesus who who reveals the the father Matthew just give you a few verses so you're tracking with me on this in Matthew chapter 11 verse 27 Jesus says or verse 25 I praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and you've revealed them to little children yes father this is what you were pleased to do all things have been committed to be my, me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And here we go. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Okay, so does anybody know what God's like besides Jesus? Nobody. Jesus is how we know what God's like. Right? Understand? So, let's take it a step further. John 14, verse 6. They're stressed out. Their hearts are troubled. He said He's leaving them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you really know Me, you will know My Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in my Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The miracles themselves. So Jesus goes on from there. So what is he saying? To see him is see the Father, right? Everybody tracking? He goes on then and he promises the Spirit because the Spirit is then going to make real what belongs to the Son and the Father to us. It makes it real in our experience. It's like, wow, I, I see more than I did because I have the Spirit. He says, and on that day, John 14, 20, on that day when the Spirit comes, you'll realize that I am in my Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. And so there is this uh, shared life that Jesus as the Creator and the Word of creation is bringing us into by becoming a human, He joins us into His very life. And He brings us with Him into death and then into life and then into heaven itself. So that Paul, in meditating on this, can even say, for you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You're, you're in Christ. Your life is in Him. All of that New Testament stuff, union, in, with, all that language, the trajectory here is oneness with Jesus Christ. I wish I, I had, if I could imagine three chairs up here. Three chairs. One, it would be better illustration if there were three chairs. One, two, three. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus has done by including us in His humanity is take us right into the the throne room. So that we get His experience of the Father and of life and of salvation and of purpose. And that's what Jesus has said that He wants to do. John 17, verse 20. Famous ending of the prayer in the garden. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in Me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as You are in Me and I am in You. May they believe, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that You sent Me. Skip down to verse 24. Father, I want those that You've given Me to be with Me where I am and to see My glory, the glory You've given Me because You loved Me before the creation of the world. Like, that's what this whole thing is about. This whole adoption thing is about us getting to see that glory, which is the love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Righteous Father, though the world does not know You, I know You. And they know that You've sent Me. I have made You known to them and will continue to make You known in order that the love that You have for Me may be in them and that I Myself may be in them. Yeah, It's a blow away. And this is the importance of relationship. This is what God, the God of relationship and love, is doing. Is bringing us into this very love. And so, at the core of... This has just really helped me. Rather than thinking about God just as... Uh, if you really want to get to know God, think about just at the core, core, core of who God is as persons. 
He's revealed Himself as the Son of the Father and their shared love in the Holy Spirit. Persons. Rather than just amorphous, unknowable, blobby kind of thing, think of Him as how He's revealed Himself. The Son of the Father and their shared love in the Holy Spirit. And that that basic core persons in community, persons in relationship, is absolutely foundational for us to understand what it means to be in the image of God. It's huge. It's just absolutely huge. But it subverts our normal Western individualistic way of just worldview. And when I say worldview, I mean like it's the water we swim in. That's, that's a fish. And we swim in it and we don't, we don't even know it. We're just, we're in it. Cartesian philosophy. I think, therefore, I am. And that's me, my own little individualistic, that's in the Enlightenment, right? But Trinitarian theology would be more like, we're in relationship, therefore, we are. Unpack that. Like, you can't come into the world without being in relationship with somebody. It's the only way it can happen. You don't individually, uh, existentially just kind of... You are in relationship to a mom and to a dad who are in relationship, in intimacy. And so you, you're born and you're the son of so-and-so and, and, and the daughter of so-and-so. And then you grow up and you have friends and that defines how you're developed, how you relate, how you grow up. And you get married or you don't or you have whatever the situation, you have kids and all of those things define us. But that's being defined in the image of God. That's the way God has defined and revealed Himself to us. It's just, it's huge. And, and, and the way I would even draw another distinction here, one more science thing, I think this is the last science thing, is uh, just, it's the difference between Newtonian physics you guys are going to go out and go, man, this was a, this is a great sermon or something. <laughs> I hope you do. Newtonian physics and Einsteinian physics. And Newtonian physics is that God basically got everything wound up and the world is a closed system. And things just work the way they work. Gravity works the way it works. And you can't change that. You can't influence it. And then a guy named James B. de Klerk comes along in the 1880s or so, he's a South African guy who was a Trinitarian theologian. But he was also a scientist. And he started thinking deeply about electromagnetic waves and the way that things pull toward each other and push against each other. And he realized there's this subatomic thing that's going on. And he began to describe the electromagnetic wave. Einstein picks up on de Klerk's work, the Trinitarian guy who discovered relationships between things, and he begins to describe reality in a totally different way. And that is that everything is interrelated. Like God. And it just, it's like, boom, it makes sense. Quantum theory. The theory of everything being related. Relativity. E equals MC squared and all of that. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I can't do all that. But I can, I can see the difference between an individualistic, enlightenment-oriented way of thinking about reality and a relationship-oriented way of thinking about reality. And it makes sense because that's what God's like. 
And all those little pictures of things we see in life that are interrelated families. You know, families that even in counseling, there's, there's a thing called family systems theory, and it's the idea that a family is a whole. It's made up of individual people, but it's a whole. Kind of like, and I, I, the part I like is like the Trinity. You know, it's, it's a, a whole, but there's individual parts, and each one in the Trinity are perfectly differentiated. And the Father's always the Father, the Son's always the Son, Spirit's always the Spirit. Families don't always do that. And sometimes families get over-functioning in one part or get codependent on one part and kind of meld into each other in a healthy, in a way that's not healthy. And they need to learn to differentiate and everybody, so that everybody can be kind of whole again. Or if you turn away and leave your family, that's going to create dysfunction as well, right? You're still a whole. And that, all that stuff applies at all the different levels of life and relationships and church life. Learning to function in the healthy way that's in the image of God. How are we doing? <laughs> okay. Thought I'd give it a shot, you know? So let's talk about implications for just a second. Implications. We learn better together. And uh, there's a, another scientist, a guy named Michael Polanyi, uh, studied, actually was studying how scientists learn in the 50s. He wrote a book called The Tacit Dimension. And in this book, what he figured out was that scientists, when they got together and started talking about problems, they were able to have breakthrough ideas, and they found that when they were together in community, they actually knew way more than they thought they did. They would come up to unsolvable problems, but they would do it together and figure out that they could actually solve them. Things like going to the moon, stuff. I mean, you can give good examples of that. But that's how we learn. And like a five-year-old knows more about uh, gravitation and physics and light and stuff than they could ever explain in a lifetime of studying those things. And so that's tacit knowledge. You, you drop the ball, it falls. But you can't write out the problem for all of that, maybe, Right? My point is that when we start talking about this and having conversations about the relational God of love, I think God wants to draw up and out of us all kinds of creative stuff that we didn't even know was there. You know, and so the Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, the, the, the higher church uh, groups that have so much of the Trinity built into their liturgy, it, it helps to stir that stuff up. But we... You know, whatever we are is this amalgamation of all these different streams and things. We want, I want to get this out so that we can go, hey, this needs to be in our conversation. All I'm trying to do is just nudge the ship a little bit so that our trajectory is more in this, in this direction. And I'm saying, if we can learn to think this way and worship this way and look for this, what kind of creative stuff is going to come out of this church when we start thinking this way about God? Jason Cox preached back in the summer, and I was blown away. I'm sitting there, I'm listening to him. He's preaching from Ecclesiastes, and he's talking about Trinitarian theology. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And he starts talking about the Trinity. I'm like, I wouldn't have seen that. And he's talking about community. It was awesome. Way to go. Um, but that's, that's what I'm talking about. That kind of stuff gets, gets, uh, gets stirred up. So... This trajectory is what we're going for. This trajectory of oneness without losing who we are as individuals along the way. And so as my 
kind of implication of this is worship. So in your Bibles, we need to wake up to what God is wanting to do in us and through us in worship. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. You know, Jesus, He is bringing us into His worship. He is the, the mediator between God and man and between man and God. And in verse 11, Hebrews 2, both the one who makes people holy, who's that? Jesus. And those who are made holy, who's that? That's us. Are of the same family. Are of the same family. Are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And so He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to describe Jesus as the great high priest. And it's like, we get in on what Jesus is doing. Our whole, whatever you think is great about being spiritual and walking with God and things like that, it's because of Jesus Christ. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body and in the flesh, I live in the faithfulness of the Son of God. I live in His faith. It's in what He's done. That how I, how I live this life. And so, uh, it's what Jesus has done. It's not, we've got gifted musicians. We've got pretty good sound system. These guys work hard at the, just at their gifts and using their gifts. But it's not dependent on this. It's dependent on the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, I've been all over the world. I've worshipped in all kinds of just different kind of settings. I've worshipped when I couldn't understand a word that was being said. Besides hallelujah. Because hallelujah is the same. In all the, same no matter where you go. Hallelujah. It's a little different accent maybe. Been in Africa. Different tribes in one church. They had different uh, drums. Like one tribe had fat drums. They were all kind of fat drums. And the other tribe had all skinny drums. They're all kind of tall and skinny. But we were all singing and praising the Lord together. One voice going for it. And despite we get in on what Jesus is doing. You don't even have to understand the language because of the Spirit. And what I, what I want to encourage us to and just cast some vision for just in terms of our worship is Like, this is one of the most important things that we could be doing, is worshiping. Um, and we pray Sunday after Sunday, God, make this a thin place between heaven and earth. We pray, God, we want to hear the sounds of heaven. And, you know, there's some things that I'm talking about right now that are hard, like perichoresis is this idea that the church fathers had of interpenetration without losing distinction. That's how they described... I, I, last week, I did the dance. I'm not doing the dance this week. But, but it's like the ability to be in the same space and still be distinct. And we can't do that as humans. I, I can't be in Graydon. But there are things that we do that are like a picture of that kind of uh, ability to be in the same space. And so is the keyboard up? What do I need to do? Okay, so I'll do this. C, 
E, G. C major chord, and you can hear all three of those notes in the same space. Now, magnify that times all of this humanity that's in the room. And when we come together and worship, I'm telling you what, this is, this is what I do when I'm sitting here. I don't always just sing only. Sometimes I sing and then sometimes I listen to what's going on around me. And it's beautiful. It's awesome. It's, it's the worship of God that's one with all of these different voices, backgrounds, ethnicities, and all, all of that stuff all happening in one space. Jonathan Edwards said that the ideal society would be the new Jerusalem and singing. Just, it's powerful. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thought. And it's not just, I mean, it's, it's, it's when we sing. It's when we do share the Lord's Supper. There's that oneness going on there. It's when we do baptisms. It's when we have corporate prayer. It's all those things that we would consider sacramental. And when I say sacramental, I mean the things that we do that allow us to experience the presence of God in that moment. That's what the, the grace of God in that moment. Um, I need to finish. Uh, what would happen? I'll just do this. What would happen if every single person in this room had that vision of Jesus and what the potential was when we came together to worship. That means that these aren't just the worship leaders. And I recognize that I'm, I'm a worship leader. I'm going to be up here going for it. Do, and then I do a, you know, some kind of guitar thing or something. But I, it just, I was filled with joy this morning. And what if, what if every single person like came ready? We came running to worship. Not, not just dragging in and not just, oh, glad I made it, but like, I can't wait to be in the place of intimacy and worship with my brothers and sisters together as the name of God gets declared by Jesus in the assembly of the brothers and sisters. That's, it's just a big invitation. It's what it is. And that's, that's the invitation into relationship that God gives. That's one just example implication of we could just go on and on and on and I think God wants to wants us to go on and on he wants us to bring our creativity and our thinking about these things in a way that's going to build the church touch the city bless the nations of the earth amen y'all stand up okay who wants to know God as he really is I just, I, I just want to point you to Jesus again this morning. If, you, if you're hearing something right now and you're just going, man, I want to know Jesus like this. I want to know this, this Son of God, this Savior, who is the Savior of the world. Um, just If that's for you, then I want to invite you to come or get somebody to pray with you. And our journey as Christians, as disciples of Christ, really is, it's not a, I did something in the past and that, so I'm kind of done pressing in. It's an ongoing daily, weekly journey of saying yes. And I want more of you. And just want a few minutes we've got here to just invite you to get prayer. Just about that, about pressing into Jesus and knowing Him more and the freedom that comes with that. Or if you have any other kind of prayer need, I want to ask you to, to come and receive prayer. 
Father, we turn our hearts to you just right now. And we say we want to respond to you. We want to know you as you've revealed yourself in the Son and sending of the Spirit. And uh, Lord, open our eyes. Wake us up, Lord. the, The cobwebs need to be shaken off. Give us insight that only you can. And help us to see what would happen, Lord, if we just more and more live into this vision of how you've revealed yourself to us as relational and loving. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You guys come. If you've got a prayer need, come and get prayer.